0: This is Saturday, September 3rd. How can we help nudge people toward faith in Christ? I use that word nudge purposefully because most people go through a lengthy period of time of preparation before they see Jesus for who he is, before they see their need for grace, and see the source of grace. I think of the story of Tom Torrance, the president today of the C.S. Lewis Institute. He works in an organization that helps to spread the message about Jesus. But knowing his story, you might wonder, well, how did he get there? You see, as a young man, he joined a radical group and he blew up buildings, or at least he tried to do so. He targeted blacks and Jewish people because he hated them. He was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. He served time in prison, and when he escaped from prison, he was caught and returned to a particularly small and secure cell. I'm not making this up. It's an amazing story. So how does a man like that end up coming to faith in Jesus? How does a man like that end up going to seminary and ultimately becoming a pastor of a multiracial church? That's the question for today. How do people come to faith and how can we help? Here's our text. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. These words were written by the Apostle Paul as he brings his letter to the Colossians, that's the church in Colossa, to a close. He asks for prayer from his readers, prayer that he might be effective in sharing the message about Jesus. He wants them and He himself, he wants to make use of every opportunity that God provides to him. Now, along with this prayer request, he has some instructions to give them. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, he says. Yes, we will find those outside the faith in many different places or postures as relates to God. Some are open and receptive. Others, well, they're more standoffish. Some are seekers and glad to engage in conversations about Christ. Others are not open at all to discuss matters of faith. This is why wisdom is called for. There's no one-size-fits-all way to approach people. But respect is always called for. And I think that begins with listening to people. What is their story? What has life taught them? What questions do they have? In many cases, the questions we may ask may have more power than the statements we make. But listening is often the most loving thing we can do. People want to be heard. People want to know they matter. And we want them to come to see that they matter to God. Well, then we ask God to show us the opportunities and he he provides them to us. Many times I have walked away from moments realizing that I would missed an opportunity. It takes time to build sensitivity to the Spirit of God and to see open doors that God provides. I have come to see some opportunities like this. God almost always provides an opportunity, but we need to see what the opportunity is for. Is the door open to nudge the person toward faith in Jesus? Is God prompting me to pray for that person? Or perhaps to pray with that person? Is God opening the way for a longer-term relationship? You get the idea. Look and pray about the opportunities God provides to you. By the way, God does this because he wants everyone to have life in the fullest sense. Life in him. That is part of the story of Tom Torrance whose story I started with today. God lined up circumstances so that in the prison cell, Tom began searching for truth. This ultimately led him to faith in Jesus and real conversion, a changing of his heart. After finally being released from prison, he attended seminary and became a pastor. And from there, he's gone on to lead a ministry actually geared toward sharing Christ. Now, seeing where Tom began, we might never have guessed what God had planned for him. But if so, we don't understand how God works. Now, when we get to have conversations with people, Paul has two simple instructions. Let our conversation be full of grace. Now, you might ask, what does that mean? Well, sadly, I think our conversations are not. Our conversations could be more about what we are against than what we are for, more negative than positive. A conversation filled with grace means care for people, an interest in them, and a love for them. This genuine interest and trusting that God is using his love to change people's lives is, is what drives these conversations. It is welcoming rather than judging. Of course, lost people are lost and the world is a mess, But we trust in the power of God in people's lives. But Paul also says our conversation should be salty. That means sprinkled with truth. Salt is used sparingly. It's meant to bring out flavor, not to hijack the dish and overwhelm it. Salt is used to preserve, to keep things from spoiling. And so we use our conversations like this. Sprinkling enough truth to open the way for people to seek and find the truth in Jesus. Now there's one final point that Paul makes. He tells the church to learn how to answer everyone. That means we should be able to tell people why we believe what we do and who Christ is to us. This doesn't mean that we have to know all the answers. That's not going to happen. But that we should be able to, to tell people the basic why of our faith and the source of our hope. Let's pray. Lord God, we rejoice that you redeem people. We know we can't, because we couldn't even save ourselves. Help us to trust that you are working in the world to bring people to the knowledge of you through Jesus. Show us, we pray, how we can share in what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, amen.